0: Welcome to The Connection Church Online. We're so glad that you took time out of your day to be with us today. Like most people, I learned to walk when I was about a year old. It was the typical progression, crawling, cruising along furniture, being guided by parents and siblings. The process of learning to walk was nothing exceptional for me. I walked, I ran, I think I even learned to skip. But then, on my fourth birthday, my brother wanted to do something special for me and give me a special treat. So he took me for a ride on his bike, seating me on the back fender and placing my feet on the part of the axle that's outside the spokes. I remember him speaking to me very firmly, don't move your feet. Now I'm sure you can see where this is going. At some point, my foot slipped and I ended up in the ER getting 18 stitches in the back of my heel. Because of where those stitches were, they had to immobilize my foot with a cast. And I wasn't allowed to walk on the cast. No one really wanted to show a freshly four-year-old how to use crutches, so it was back to crawling or being carried for me. And I'm sure I was carried a lot between my parents, my six older siblings, including that one brother who was dealing with a lot of feelings about the whole situation. There was more than likely always someone around to carry me where I wanted to go. But then, a few weeks later, the cast came off and the stitches came out. It was time for me to walk again. Despite the twinges in my heel, despite my desire to be carried and catered to, it was time for me to learn to walk again. No, I didn't need to relearn the physical process of walking. I hadn't forgotten. I just needed to learn to walk using my newly healed foot. I needed to learn that the cast was no longer there. The stitches were out. My heel was ready to be flexed and pointed, to be walked with, to be used to run, to skip. It was a process, though. I needed to learn to walk in the newness of a freshly healed foot. And we're all learning to walk in newness. We've been in this series called All Things New, learning about God's love for us, learning about His care and His calling on our lives, learning that He is doing a new thing. So how do we learn to walk in that newness? How do we learn to embrace the things God is doing in our lives? to wait patiently for them when nothing seems to be happening, to move forward in them when they do happen, and to have faith in the waiting and respond to all He has for us. How do we learn to walk in the newness the Lord gives us and not be defined by our stitches and our casts, our brokenness and our wounds? How do we walk in newness? If you have your Bible, would you grab it and turn to Psalm 126? Psalm 126 gives us a pattern we can use as we learn to walk in the newness the Lord is making in our lives. It starts like this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, in Psalm 126, the people of God begin by rejoicing in what the Lord has done for them. Look at verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, We were like those who dream. We were like those who dream. This is like saying, we couldn't even believe our eyes. This is so wonderful. It must be a dream. Are we dreaming? And then verse two goes on. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So the people of God were so filled with joy, with laughter, with a sense of this is so wonderful. We must be dreaming that they couldn't hold it in. Even the people around them, the other nations, recognized something amazing had happened. Look at the end of verse 2. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And in verse 3, the people of God respond in affirmation. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. So our first step in learning to walk in newness is to remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. There are so many glorious stories of what the Lord has done. Stories of healing, of forgiveness, of restoration, of salvation, the list goes on and on. We remember these things. We rejoice in them. We use the memory of those experiences to get us through the times in between we rejoice in the amazing gift of salvation. Romans 5.8 says God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is the active power of God, coming to save, to heal, to drive out demons, to redeem us from sin's power. We remember and rejoice in this amazing, powerful, free gift given to us by the grace of God, not because of anything we have done. Titus 3.3-7 explains it this way, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, of eternal life. We remember and rejoice in the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior. We rejoice in being set free from our being slaves to our various passions and pleasures, even if we haven't yet fully experienced that freedom. And that brings us to the second step in learning to walk in newness. Look forward with faith to what God will do. Even as we remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for us, we don't want to get stuck there in the past. We look forward with faith to what God will do in the future. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 126. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. You see, verse 1 remembered a time when God had restored them. And now in verse 4, they're asking him to restore them again. They are asking him to act again, to move on their behalf, to restore them as the winter streams restore the desert. The people of God are looking forward with faith to what God will do. Even as we remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for us, we look forward with faith to what he will do. It may be different than what he has done in the past. We hold the things he has done for us in an open hand. And we say, Lord, we have faith in you and what you have for our future. Remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We look forward in faith, trusting him, allowing the peace that only he can give, the peace which surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and minds. Isaiah 43, 19 reminds us, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing something. Jesus is working in your life. The Holy Spirit is bringing you the comfort of his presence. Watch for these things. Look forward to them with hopeful expectation, knowing that they may not show up in the way that you expect them to. It may not be what God has done in the past, but it will be good. Trust Him. Trust His plans for your future are good. Because Jesus is making all things new. He is making all things new. And that includes you and me and every situation we see or face no matter how hopeless they may seem. Remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Look forward with faith to what he will do. But what about you? Have you found yourself feeling like, well, that's great for you. You have these stories of healing, of hope, of answered prayers, but I don't. Have you found yourself feeling like the newness is for other people, but not for you? If that's you, If that's where you find yourself today, let me take a moment to speak directly to you. In Jeremiah chapter 3, the Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is the truth. He has loved you from before the beginning of time, and He will love you past the end of time. The God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has loved you since before time began. And He will always love you. Jesus explains this again in John chapter 3 when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is a verse that is familiar to many of us. But did you know you can replace the words the world with your very own name? For God so loved you that he gave his only Son, so if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. It is for you. This verse, this famous verse that sums up the good news of Jesus is about you. Not just the whole world, but you. Right where you are, regardless of your circumstances, your background, your skin color, your religion, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place. To take the punishment for every mistake you can ever make and to give you a new life in him. Accept this gift today. Accept the gift of salvation—of relationship with God purchased for you by the very blood Jesus shed on the cross. He died so you can live. He rose to give you hope. Don't let another moment go by without reaching out to Him and receiving His love, His forgiveness, His salvation. It is for you. If you are feeling like you are excluded, like the joy is not for you, or maybe you're hearing about all this for the first time, open up your heart to Jesus today. Be honest with him. Tell him how you feel and invite him to reveal his love and his newness to you today. He wants to heal you, to comfort you, to bring his light to those places in your life that feel so dark and hopeless. Invite him in. Ask him to be your hope, your salvation, your healing. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and then begin walking in the newness of belonging to Jesus every day, in every way. He is for you. He loves you. He has good things for you. Open your heart to him in a new way today and receive all he has for you. Remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Look forward to faith with what, to what he will do. Let's go back to the text and look at verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. As we remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for us, and as we look forward with faith to what he will do, We also want to be intentional about what we are sowing. The psalm tells us that sowing, even in tears, leads to reaping with shouts of joy. Reaping, or harvesting, follows sowing. It's the natural order of things. And sowing is just another word for planting. Being intentional means to do something on purpose. So our third step is to plant on purpose. Galatians 6-7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. In other words, whatever you plant, you will also harvest. Now this isn't news to any of us. We plant corn, we expect to harvest corn. We plant tomatoes, we expect to harvest tomatoes. If a dragon fruit showed up on our cornstalk or a kiwi on our tomato vine, we would be shocked. And yet, we seem surprised when we plant unforgiveness or bitterness or greed that our harvest isn't peace, love, and generosity. You see, we can't plant a tomato and expect a kiwi. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Look forward with faith to what he will do and plant on purpose. So what then should we plant? Whatever we hope to reap or harvest is what we need to plant. The Bible gives us a lot of guidance on this. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus gives us the teaching known as the Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, Jesus walks us through some sowing and reaping or planting and harvesting principles. Uh, Let's start in chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven." So being poor in spirit means we acknowledge our need for God, our reliance on Him. It means we are planting humility, reliance on, and surrender to our Savior. And we are going to reap or harvest being a part of His kingdom. Romans 14 defines this kingdom as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the harvest we can expect as we plant humility, reliance on, and surrender to Jesus. It is what God will grow in us as we learn to rely on him more and more, to surrender to him more and more every day. As we plant our reliance on him, the harvest will be more and more of his character, his qualities growing in us. When we plant a hunger for righteousness, for doing the right thing, for being part of reconciling the wrongs, the hurts in this world, we are promised a harvest of being satisfied. In other words, God promises that as we seek righteousness, as we seek becoming more and more like Him and bringing His love to the world, He will make it happen. When we plant mercy, we are promised a harvest of mercy. As we seek God and ask him to help us show mercy, to help us forgive, to help us love, to help us be instruments of his peace, he has promised us a harvest of mercy, of forgiveness, of peace. He will do it. Sowing mercy yields mercy. God will bring it about. He does it, not us. Just as in a garden, we can plant the seed, we can water the soil and fertilize the plant, but only God can cause the plant to grow and yield fruit. We plant on purpose, and we trust God to bring the fruit. This principle of sowing and reaping, of planting and harvesting is huge. It affects every part of our lives—our relationships, our jobs, our inner thought life. Being aware of what we are planting, planting on purpose, and trusting God with the outcome has the potential to change your life in ways you can't even imagine. So ask him today, Lord, what would you have me plant? How can I dig deep and surrender to you more and more in everything I do? What harvest do you want to bring in my life? Remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Look forward with faith to what he will do. Plant on purpose. Over the next day or two, Take out your journal or start a note on your phone and pray through these pattern pieces. Remember and rejoice in what the Lord has done for you. Look forward with faith to what he will do. Plant on purpose. And then make some notes about what the Lord has done for you, what you can hang on to in the in-between times. Spend some time thanking him for the ways he has moved in your life and the lives of your loved ones. Then, write down some situations you are looking at in faith. Places where you need God to show up and spend some time in prayer, placing those things at His feet. Surrender to Him, trusting that He will act, and He will let you know when and if He wants you to do something about them. Finally, spend some time with the Beatitudes, or the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, or Micah 6.8, or even Psalm 126, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what He would have you plant. Make some notes about this too, trusting the Lord will bring the harvest as you continue to seek him and surrender to his love daily. Remember he is the Lord of the harvest. And then every few weeks revisit this list, updating it, praying over the things the Lord reveals to you. And as you process these things, as you learn to walk in newness, remember this encouragement from Galatians 6:9: let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for all the ways that you have moved in our lives, from saving us from our sins, to sending the Holy Spirit to fill us, to all those individual miracles and healings that we've each experienced. We thank you for moving in our lives, and we look forward with faith That you will continue to move, that you will continue to heal us, to work in our lives, to bring our situations closer to wholeness. Help us, Lord, to know you better, to follow you more, and to hear your word as we seek to plant on purpose. Amen.